Perfect. It's audio only. Perfect. Video's coming. Welcome to the Harder Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Dyke Michaels. With me is my co-host, co-chef, Elliot Roger Klein. <laughs> What's and, up, guys? And our, uh, our special guest of the week, Brad Riggler. Say hello, Brad. Hello, Brad. <laughs> Welcome. I apologize if we were yelling. Uh, brunch was running a little bit late, so we're actually starting the podcast while we're cooking. Uh, we're going to try to see how that works, if the sound quality is bad. Uh, we'll never do it again, but uh, you know we got we got we got things to do. People have places to be, things to do. So uh, we're just gonna start off like this. Brad, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thanks a lot, man. This is actually really cool. I was excited to get here. You guys don't kid around. You guys take brunch very seriously. <laughs> yes. This is my favorite part of the brunch. I don't know how to talk on camera or on a microphone, but I can cook for sure. Like to me, Denny's is like a big Sunday brunch. It's like, oh wow, we're gonna get a grand slam. So, typically what we do at the brunch is usually we would start the podcast right as the meal's kind of wrapping uh-huh. up. Okay. And then I would ask you, uh, you know, kind of your thoughts on the meal. We can't really do that part okay. of it yet. But since we're starting kind of ahead of time, uh, we can quickly run through what we're making and then okay. we can get into the to the chit-chat. Yes. Uh, but we're just doing, we're, we're doing waffles two ways. We, we wanted to do bre- uh, chicken and waffles. Yes. Um... Elliot and I decided that it would be a good idea if we both did our own take on it, mm-hmm. and then we're just going to eat them both. I don't know, <laughs> compare and contrast. Uh, it's a little bit of a dare if you care kind of thing right now. <laughs> Elliot, what is, uh, what is your, what is your um, concept So here? I spent the last two days helping my ex move because, you know, I hate myself. Um, <laughs> and I had not prepared for this whatsoever. I stole half your chicken, mm-hmm. and in a fever dream of drunkenness at 2 in the morning last night after bartending for six hours... I decided I wanted to make Asian waffles, chicken and waffles, so I'm doing a shiitake waffle with a kale and garlic slaw and some other accoutrement and like an Asian syrup on top. It's going to be fucking fantastic. That's it. That's all I got. Nice. Uh, I went kind of like, my idea was kind of like childhood. Um, so what I did is um, I have a Fruity Pebbles infused whipped cream. I have a, a berry, a fruit compote. I was thinking like like grown-up crunch berries. Yeah. Like cranberry and blueberry. Um, and then the breading itself for my fried chicken is uh, Frosted Flakes. Nice. <laughs> and then, uh, we're I gonna... noticed they were browner. Yeah. That's what it was. Right, there's it's two a... different colors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Frosted Flakes uh, breading, and then the batter itself for my waffle is uh, cookie butter. Have you ever had cookie butter before? I think so. It's like a Biscoff cookie. Um, Yeah, I've I've probably tasted it. Probably not raw, but I've had it, I'm sure. Uh, No, no, no. Not not like cookie batter. Cookie butter is like... It's oh. like uh, it's like a peanut butter consistency, but it tastes mm. like those like airplane cookies. Oh those wow! Cookies. How do I not like it? Oh, uh, dude, this is like caramel housewife like crack. <laughs> okay, well, like, which by the way, let's be honest, is just crack. <laughs> right, 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 right. Or the dick of a very rich man. Um. <laughs> um. No one that can pretend to be one. Hey, look at this. <laughs> I like this. This is delicious. I'm, yeah. My kid's going to love this. Yeah. Mm. Uh, tr- go to Trader Joe's. They have a really good... Uh, Damn, this is uh, really good. Version. I could just eat this raw. Yeah, oh yeah. Cookie Biscoff cookie butter. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I guess this is... It comes. It's got to be European, right? This is, they love that shit over yeah, there. Yeah, that's a Biscoff cookie. It's like a British cookie, I believe. Don't look at me. I wasn't looking at me like I. Biscoff almost sounds like a like an insult of some kind. <laughs> you biscoff. Couple yeah. of biscoffs walking out. Biscoff me. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that uh, is really good. That's the second bite. I can't stick the spoon back in there, but this is really good. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I used to uh, when I had the food truck, we would make mm. um, the kids peanut butter and jelly. It would be cookie butter mm-hmm. and jelly sandwiches. And we also used it for one of the burgers. I'm going to get this. My kids are going to... I'm literally going to get this for my kids. I do yeah. air quotes because I'm going to eat the hell out of yeah, it. You have, to, you have to be careful because it's like eating like uh, 100 cookies. <laughs> I know. I can <laughs> feel it. I can feel have it. we looked at the nutrition? You don't, want, you don't want it. All right. Two, None. Two tablespoons is a serving and each serving is 170 calories. Um, if you're trying to fill up your calorie count and not be full, this is the go-to. Um, 
Oh, good I lord. I feel like we're gonna take one jar of that and then, like, sled dog across the Antarctic. <laughs> <That's all laughs> yeah, there's 11 stuff. grams of fat per two tablespoons. Yeah, you're just gonna be depressed after a spoonful. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, you get a good ten minutes of non-depression. Yeah, exactly. The come down is pretty intense. <laughs> um, so you were saying you've not been to this neighborhood, and you were commenting on like I've been through the neighborhood. I've been through. I, I really, when I got in here, I really liked it. I like the I like the character of it. Every house, it's like it's not like one. Every everyone is. They all have a similar style, but they all have their own individual um, flavor. So I like the, I like the individuality of it, but it still, it's not it's um it's not so. Um, it's not so broken up that you you know it doesn't look like they belong together. So but, you're saying before the advent of terrible suburbs that ruined America. Yeah, this is what. Yeah, this is what. And then every one of them's got their own be- their own their own little funky thing happening. I like that. I like it. I like the uh, was bungalow. We call it a bungalow. The sacrifice waffle is complete. I feel like I feel like it blew again. I mean, this thing is hot as fuck. Nope, it blew again. We're cooking. You can't handle the load. Keep talking. <laughs> this is a circuit. A circuit. A circuit is pop. That's what's really thrown. It wasn't that what I was saying was so uninteresting that they immediately <laughs> shut down. They were like, "Good God, is this guy? We was everybody else sick? <laughs> Literally, was everybody else sick?" Uh, okay, we're back on. Bro, okay. Technical difficulties run rampant this Sunday. <laughs> I don't. I guess I've never. I've never tried to cook this much. <laughs> Have this much plug. Yeah, this the is... waffles are going to be cooked in the living room now. Thank <laughs> you and goodbye. Wow. This is uh, this is the most intense cooking. You guys do not joke around. And is this real? Is this uh, organic honey? Yeah. Yeah, you brought that over. I wanted to raise bees. I wanted to keep. You don't raise. You keep bees um, for the longest time. But my wife. And my mother-in-law are both allergic, and I uh, thought it would send the wrong message. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> Let's take half the family I out. It's just like, oh, you know what my new hobby is? Something that might kill you. But um, but yeah, I like. I, we kept bees when I was a kid, and uh, you know, it was uh, it, it was fun. It wasn't that bad. But you get used to being stung. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. After a while. How, it's how often would you get stung doing that? Every time. Oh. Well. <laughs> Every time. That's the trick. The trick is, is like you see the beekeepers out there. They just don't care. Yeah. It's not my. It's not minding. It's like that's the trick. What's the trick? It's not minding. Yeah. Um, right. And so, in fact, sometimes they would go and you know every once in a while the hive will uh, will split and they'll swarm. So like there'll be like a revolution within the hive. Oh wow. A new queen will be born and either throw the old queen out or the other queen will be like. You, I'm rolling, and like half the hive will roll. And so, if people know you're a beekeeper, and they'll they'll roll by because like they'll just be hanging from a branch, like tens of thousands of bees in like this huge swarm. And they'll be like, "Oh, I know a beekeeper," and they'll call you up, and you'll just go up, and you'll cut the branch and drops into a hive, and you've got a new hive of bees. Wow! And so, like, yeah, they just go around. And they, you don't own bees, you can't. You just keep them. Yeah. Because they can roll anytime. You can't right. be like, "That's my bee." You're just kind of like, they're, they're with you now. That's hilarious. When I like the commentary, I'm like, they just don't mind. My aunt and uncle raised bees, and I never really truly understood until they were like, well, you want to help? When I was a teenager, yeah. and I'm a teenager, 13, 14, child. Right. Um, and, yeah, same. They're like, you're probably going to get stung, and I'm wearing the outfit, and they're yeah. like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? They're yeah, like, yeah. this doesn't work. No, it just it, looks cool. It's and I'm like, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Give you the idea. It's to make sure you're not afraid. Yeah. Um, the smoke thing we're doing... Yeah. Maybe it kind of works, but it ultimately I have like five, six stings at the end of it. But I mean, if you've never had fresh honeycomb, you don't understand. No, it once you get good. that, you kind of get over it. It does, man. Especially like uh, people like you bite into that honeycomb, it's ridiculous. Um, one of my favorite cocktails ever was kind of a bougie, high alcohol champagne cocktail with a tiny nickel-sized piece of honeycomb in the bottom of the glass that yes. stuck to it and slowly dissolved and you eat yeah. it at the end. It was amazing. Yeah, that um, is delicious. So we've now moved the waffle iron into the living room. Yes. Um, the fryer is frying. Um, did you plug the... We did not talk about my version of the dish. Uh, or did we? Yeah. Oh, never mind. We me. started with you. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. This I is, just want to be important. This is why podcasting while cooking is hard. <laughs> I'm too distracted, folks. 
so Brad, the part of the main reason I wanted to have you on because you you don't have a strong. Do you have any food background? I know you. I've been eating it my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> big fan. I'm a big fan of eating it my whole life. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, I'm a connoisseur of fruity pebbles. Yeah. Okay. Always have been. Thanks. So the fact is that it's kind of a kind of a nod to my uh, palate. Uh, yeah, you know, I've gotten more into food over the years because, like I said, my wife, um, my wife got me into wines because she worked in the wine industry, and so we would go around. and I started learning about pairing and things like that, and so I, I really started. Oh, I'd say for the last ten years, starting to learn and appreciate food and, and the experience mm-hmm. and all that goes into uh, you know fine food preparation and different styles and things like that. Uh, so, uh, so that's I'd say over the last ten years. But as far as having any sort of background as as being a chef or a cook or working in a kitchen, uh, no. Short answer, no. Should I just be quicker? No. Take a no. Is it no? It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's distracting because like my podcasting brain is trying to have a conversation, and right. my chef brain is trying to like think about all the components and. Is, is like my house burning down right <laughs> You do have a very high... There are things boiling. There's oil. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's an iron. Now, maybe in your bedroom. That's, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know where it is. That's, that's, that's the joy of Harder Brunch. Last time it was the dog just barked throughout the whole podcast. Right. Uh, but no, part of the reason I wanted you on here, because you, you're doing something right now that yeah. I am very excited about. Cool. That I think is um, so unique. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and, and talk about it, and then I'll, I'll kind of ask you questions, chime in on it. So what he's talking about is the RWC, uh, the Roast War Championships, and I call it the RWC kind of as a uh, kind of like the WWE or UFC, mm-hmm. uh, and the UFC especially because it's a uh, roast battles, which is basically an insult competition between two comics. And I built a cage, a steel cage, uh, to go around the stage, um, and. Uh, and so, like, that's the idea. They're basically cage matches between comics where they replace punches uh, with jokes. With and the, it's a battle of wits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so I kind of, just like you guys are taking your own take on chicken and waffles, I do my own take on a roast battle. Because most of the roast battles I've seen, um, at least the productions, um, not necessarily television, but like live, have been tournaments. Mm-hmm. That I've seen people start off in tournaments. And so I skipped that whole thing and I went straight to one on one. So yeah. we'll just have well, this book. I'll I'll match two comics. They'll know a month beforehand who they're going against, and it'll just be one on one, and they battle it out. And then of course we have like seven to eight uh, battles on per show. Uh, judge three judge panel, uh, which judges the rounds, and then if it goes the distance, um, the uh, audience gets to decide the winner. And so that's really what it is. Uh, the RWC, the Roast War Championships. Our next one's coming up on Friday, the twentieth. Um, it's free at Vern's, and it's all culminating toward January 30th, Thursday, January 30th, at Crackers, which is a ticketed event. Okay. The one on Friday, uh, this Friday, the, tw- the 20th, uh, is uh, free. Anybody, the last five have been three, uh, free. This one will be uh, free. But the one on the 30th, obviously, is the, is our pay-per-view. The high stakes. It's Roastamania. That's it's, what we call it. It's uh, like WrestleMania is the pay-per-view for wrestling. Great. Roastamania is the pay-per-view for roast. So you are combining uh, roast battling, which is already a very unique yeah. niche kind of deal where two comics come. And and the whole thing behind roasting is like, these are people that are coming that have agreed to yes. say horrible things to each other. Mm-hmm. The, um, they're, they're both going to walk away. You know, maybe, I don't know if they were friends to begin with, but... Everyone knows what they're getting into yes. here. You're going to say horrible things about me. I'm going to say horrible things That's about That's the point. You. So, there's no hurt feelings. No. They uh, say that. Oh, yeah. They, they say that. You, but, yeah. You leave, you leave it all in the ring. Yes. But And, and, and we've seen that now in pop culture, like outside mm-hmm. of the comedy world. Um, you know, there's TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have elevated it. To this, to this next level, and it's only, I still feel like at this beginning phase, yes. where it's just, it's just going to keep ramping up, keep ramping up, but uh, you are like the Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's what I want to be, uh, exactly. Yeah, you are yeah. the Vince McMahon of, of, the, of these roast, uh, you know, roast uh, champions. And uh, to feel, to be clear, he's wearing a full tracksuit right now. Really <laughs> I'm wearing a tracksuit, yeah. Vince McMahon moment. <laughs> and I didn't. I thought I thought we were on video, but this is literally I dress every day, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I wear a tuxedo the night of the roast battle. Yeah, right, right. And so, that's that's the, the the. I guess to me, it's like I love the idea. You could just say, "Hey, yeah, we're uh, you know we're we're kind of like 
kind of like wrestling, kind of like the UFC. Yeah. But uh, you literally build the steel cage. Yes. You uh, you, up, you yeah. have uh, ring girls. Yes. You uh, you wear a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Um, we have lighting. You have a smoke machine. You, you have we like, sing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We sing the national. Everybody stood up except Lucas Waterfeld. <laughs> yeah. He's a freaking. You got a handy neck over there. <laughs> you have. Jeez. That's, that's good stuff. You have uh, you have popcorn that people can uh, yes. throw at at the comics. That was it. Now that's an ode. Obviously, obviously, back in the day of, of pro wrestling, and uh, they would throw stuff into it. But also, it's kind of a rock, my theater background, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah. Uh, people are throwing stuff, and so I wanted to get something where I was like, you know what? We have to monetize the idea of, uh, you know, like you said, when you have a competition and you have people saying things that are b- bad, mm-hmm. as opposed, you know, as opposed to booze, let's monetize it and let's have some fun. And uh, you can buy popcorn as long as you throw it at the cage. You can't throw it, like, at people in the audience. That's yeah. not... But, like, the idea is you can purchase the popcorn from the show and throw it at the audience. And that's the idea of having uh, the audience be interactive. They get to choose the ultimate winner in, in the ones that go the distance. Some of them are stopped early, but the uh, they get to choose, and it's all everybody's a part of the show, and so you can throw popcorn, you can do those things. It's uh, it's RWC is kind of like permission to be like this is a safe space to not be in a safe space. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the idea is like that's what's happening here. We're gonna say things, they're gonna say things to each other. You're gonna hear things about you're gonna throw stuff, and it's kind of like this release where it's like you know what, it's all in fun, it's all part of a show. Yeah, and then the show's over, and then you know we don't hate each other. I'm not truly trying to sow discontent among people. <laughs> We're just having fun, and and it is uh, it, it's a it's an entertainment. That is amazing, and uh, I, this is the, actually the first I'm hearing that you're doing the the pay per view yeah. at an actual Roast comedy club. Yeah. That's amazing, and uh, if people wanted to, to follow along on social media, yeah. where, how would they do that? Uh, we're at Roast War Champs or um, at a Riggler Up R I G L E R U P um, uh, on Facebook and on um, Instagram and Twitter. But like, uh, get down to. Um, and then get down to Vern's on Washington, or Vern's place on Washington, eight o'clock on Friday, and just see it for free. I mean, like honestly, it's eight o'clock. I mean, unless you're watching what, what's on, I don't even know what's on Blue Bloods. You gotta watch. <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do on Friday. Uh, just get down. It's free show. It's unlike anything you've ever seen before. And it's more elaborate than any free show you're gonna see anywhere else. So, and after it's all said and done, it's always all my shows always ninety minutes. I, yeah. I, that was one of the things I learned early on running run shows. Yep. Keep it 90 minutes. The bottom line is, and we have eight roasts within that period of time, so it's, you know, you're going to have a blast. You're going to see something you never saw before, and it's going to be over before you know it, and you, can, and you can get home to watch Jimmy Kimmel or whatever the hell else you think you have happening. <laughs> well, and, and it really is, and, you know, I always say, like, I'm, the, I'm at the point in my life now where I, I don't really promote anything mm-hmm. that I don't think is dope. Thank you know, you. like yeah. I just, I just don't. If I don't think something is amazing, yeah, then I just, I don't really put my hat in the ring. I don't really Smart. push it. But um, I, I was so impressed. Uh, it, even just seeing from event to event to event. That's the thing. You were here uh, from the beginning. You yeah. were one. Of, you were at the first RWC. The first one I think it was just called like Roast Battle Championships RBC. Yeah, was was the first one, and you were there for that one. And you've been to several of them, and you've seen the evolution. And we've stepped it up. We've added things. The Every first one, time. there wasn't any cage. No. We did on the small stage. And, you know, we just did these things. And it was basically just open micers at that time uh, at the Verns. And they would go at each other. And some of them were very Jerry Springer-esque. <laughs> and that they really legitimately didn't like each other. <laughs> and that was one of your first comments to me. You were like, yeah, you got to make it funnier. Because really, it was just two people who hate each other. You know? And I was like, okay, well, that's funny, too. He goes, I think it is, but I think we need to chill this out. And then, you know, last one we had the main event, Jeff Oske of the Bob and Tom versus uh, uh, Patrick Murray. And we've started, to, uh, we've started to make sure that we get all pro and working comics up there to really make it, and they write for it, yeah. and they aren't going up there just to, you know, soul burn their yeah. opponent, you know what I mean? They're trying to be fun, and it's uh, it's entertaining. All right, uh, we're going to take, take a pause here, we're going to plate up some food, All right. and then uh, hopefully uh, we're going to come back, we're going to eat some food, and continue the podcast. Yum!
here on the other side. <laughs> We've made it. Brunching. Trials and tribulations have occurred. Welcome back. Um, Alright, well, I do agree with your idea for time that we podcast like that, but I never want to do that again. <laughs> Trying to talk while things are possibly burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most stressful thing. Let's be clear. I was quiet and running around no, you were. light-footedly through the house, cooking waffles in what will be likely the eventual <laughs> podcast studio on the floor like an animal. Guess what? There ain't no health codes here. We are podcasting, <laughs> gentlemen. You don't need to worry about it. I also I also think this is part of uh, being harder brunch. You know, it's just like, have you made waffles on the floor? I have. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I've well, been there. I've done that. I've been on the fly. Have you? Yeah, it happened. Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> So we are eating while podcasting, and perfectly honest, fuck you. Yeah. Um, we've been waiting for breakfast for about an hour and a half um, for two of the simplest things that I've ever cooked and learned to cook. I will say this: we are. Exactly 60 minutes past uh, the mark, so um, I guess I'm just going to have to get up earlier on Sunday and <laughs> start working. I also, like, believe it or not, cleaned the house this morning. <laughs> that couldn't have been much of a trick. No. <laughs> You'd have known the leaf floor. Well, there's not a lot of furniture, so no, yes, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of air can move through yeah. the space. I have one small little dog, our, our producer, Cody, and... Um, <laughs> And he just manages to leave, like, uh, just just a, a crazy amount of dog hair all over the house. Yeah. Like, within a week. Within mm-hmm. a week. I'll, I'll uh, try to get up once a week. Like, how? what have you been doing? What You know, there's not even any furniture. I feel like it just falls off of him. <laughs> this is stressed. Yeah. This can't possibly be stress-related. <laughs> there's, there's almost enough to make an entire new dog. No, I know what you mean. That's what the trick is, though. Um, when I was doing sales... I always, I always have a dog. I've always been a dog guy. And if you have dog hair on, the other dogs will like you. Because mm-hmm. they know you're all right. They're like, this dude's all right. So my beagle smell, I got the beagle smell all over me. So when he walks in, he's like, oh, okay, we can deal with this dude. Oh, yeah. He's welcome. <laughs> well, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's half beagle. Yeah, he's a, you can tell. He, he's not as food motivated as because, like I said, there's no way my dog could have been anywhere near. You guys had the waffles dangerously close to the floor, and that's just like... Under three feet, and it's done. It's his. You can forget it. I locked him out of the room. Um, he definitely got in once, smelled it, and probably burned the tip of his nose on the waffle maker and was like, I'm not fucking with this anymore. I'm out. I appreciate you, ginger man. I'm going to go. Um, I have a cat, actually, and I'm not a dog person. We had dachshunds when I was a kid, which is, let's be clear, honestly, hardly a dog. Um... They act like dogs, but they're like large rats. Um, they, they, I'm not not I'm not not a fan of dogs. I love dogs. Okay, I'm not not a fan. I of would dogs. be on board with purchasing a dog okay. if I had a house with a mud room in the back and that doggy door. So basically, you're not on board with purchasing a dog. Exactly. exactly. You're Absolutely. like creating some standard. You're yeah, like, yeah. if my house that was safe like That is the minimal this. standard. And you know, to be honest with you, if we got to that point, there would probably be another three things. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. It's really about, like, my sister has a dog. She lives in an apartment. She's the 21st century businesswoman. Like, ah. very, very good. Like, has lots of, like, nice job, etc. And she goes, I'll never buy another dog. She lives in a... Really nice apartment. Okay. But she has to go home and let the dog out and, like, ah. tend to the animal. And oh, yes. I'm too selfish for that. No, you got to um, work when they're, like, they're dependent. See, I had a dog when I, my favorite dog, uh, Marley, uh, when I was living in Baltimore, I rescued him. for punishment with a Marley name? Like, yeah. have you seen Marley and no, me? Jesus th- that's Christ. That's what they, they named him that at the, <laughs> the, the, the pound because I went down to the pound, the kennel, and they basically were like, here's a dog. It was a, you know, a pit bull mix. And they were like, his name's Marley. He was a good dog. But I raised him. It was just me and the dog, the dog and I. And um, and so I uh, I took care of him. And like, But I was very militant about training him, training him. He's a great dog. When we, my wife and I got married, she want, we got this beagle. And her plan was to love him into submission. Uh, which <laughs> six years later has not necessarily <laughs> uh, come. It basically means I'm cleaning up shit almost on a daily basis. That's what love of into submission for. Hold on a second. I'm going to take a pause there. Hey! Because last time we did an hour and a half and we only got half an hour. No, we recorded a half an hour. 
And then we recorded another hour. And then I only posted half an hour. And then I fixed it. Hurry. Okay. There you go. Welcome back. Sorry. You know, there's just been brunch flying around. Uh, things. Burnt, circuits breaking. Uh, waffle no burnt. Hearts, nothing burnt. No. Yeah. No, it's all very good. Um, I want to make sure on the tech side of it. Because for me, the last thing I pay attention to is any sort of technology. It's always like food first. And then yeah. the interview, and then it's yeah. like, oh, that thing that we used to record the interview, did that actually work? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, um, mm. we kind of flew through it at the beginning so quickly that you almost forgot that you said it, but will you re-explain your, your part of the dish, because I really enjoyed it. So in a drunken stupor, after a bartending for eight hours, um, with actually the host, because that's what we do together, mm-hmm. and how we know each other, I decided um, I was going to make an Asian waffle, because Dyke was going full ham on, like, pulling on the childhood heartstrings. And I was like, what about a fancy bitch waffle? And so I made a shiitake mushroom waffle with a collard greens Asian salad to link the chicken and the Asian together. Yes. Um, with a... <laughs> There's a joke in with there a, somewhere. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We need um, some time on it, but it's there. With a ramen seasoned soy syrup, I guess, would be, with a little bit of local honey. I just kind of threw it together with the kitchen that we have available to us, um, which is sparse and hopefully slowly <laughs> developing into a kitchen powerhouse at this point, mm-hmm. um, as I just keep bringing random bullshit over for each podcast and leaving it here. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. There's yeah. a couple of things I would change. It needs to be a little spicier. Um, how are we feeling about it, Dylan? Um, I'm almost punished the whole darn thing. I think it's delicious. The whole thing was great. I, I, I probably... Um, I probably would have gone in reverse order, but um, Dyke plated um, his first, so I guess I uh, subliminally thought that I was supposed to start there. So I really would have gone from yours to his to make it kind of like the dessert, you know? Right. Entree dessert situation. Yeah. It was a little bit more evident, but based on the difficulties we've had, it worked out fine. Yeah. So, but I, I thought that I think both are fun and um, and they both are unique. They comp- they are obviously different sides of the uh, taste spectrum, but they you know they're it's the sweet and the savory, baby. I love it. I would serve that as a dish together with the sweet and the savory because mm. I'm not super like I prefer savory. Same chicken waffles, anyway. And that was almost like cartoon level sweet. <laughs> or it was just like, but the other side was like there was a, a, a you know the nice saltiness that comes with like Asian mm-hmm. cooking, mm-hmm. where it was just like when I had it together and I could almost go bite for bite and balance it out in my mouth. Then like I would I would serve that as a dish together. Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting as a serving um, in general. Um, I kind of agree with the latter, which is like entree dessert. But I'm such a, an outlier in the sense that dessert is not really my favorite. Um, I was cooking for 17 years professionally, mm-hmm. and I understand that sweet and savory go together, and if you can do it right, it's a really good dish, but I prefer to get rid of the sweet and just eat salty shit all day, every yeah. day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I'm going to have gout in at least two years, oh, yeah. um, but that so is just the way it. I eat. Um, regardless yeah. of all the education I've had over 20 years, salt, 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 salt. all day. I tell you something right now. I'm actually having a fun experience right now because because of the order I went in, obviously the um, the the uh, the sweet I uh, left some of the whipped cream and um, and whatnot is still on the plate. So it is the final bit of this is mixing together, and it it is creating a very fun experience having them both mixed together. Um, at that point in time, at the end of the meal, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want it to start that way, but at the end, when it's like all coming together, it's like, wow, this is cool. build your own dessert with the leavings on your plate. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I, I've always kind of felt that way about waffles, where it's just like, I don't need a, a like I don't need to eat like a birthday cake for breakfast. You know, like that's, when you get into the IHOP situation, what? what they do, it's like birthday cake, birthday cake waffle. Yeah, I mean, if you awful. ever watch those commercials, yeah, like awful. I might have gone there once eight years ago, and that was the last time. Right. And looking at the menu, I was like, a nine-year-old wrote this. Yeah. Oh, there's jimmies and sprinkles on everything. Oh, like I yes. don't understand what to do here. I got an omelet because I didn't know what else to do. Everything was just like, hey. Would you like sugar on your sugar? And it was just <laughs> terrible. It. And they put uh, And my, my, my ex at the time, my girlfriend at the time, my ex now, 
got like pancakes or something and it was just I was like you have enough sugar for the year like this is it we're yeah. done you can't have sweets anymore you take like a, a sugary pancake or waffle and then you cover it with butter and then maple syrup yeah. or honey <laughs> right absolutely and we're not drinking a particularly unsweet beer at this point I mean it's Christmas time near Christmas time we're drinking Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas Ale mm-hmm. which is it's reasonably mid-level, but it, it's it's got honey in it. It's got a little bit of sweetness to it, so I, I just can't imagine the sugar overload. I actually did not partake in your waffle combination there, Dyke, I, and I apologize, but I couldn't do it. The sweetness is too much. Would you give me that waffle, though? Not very adventurous. You cook with this guy all day, and then you're not going to try it? I will, I, will very, up, I will end up taking a bite. There you Thank go. Thank you very much. But, like... <laughs> For, for for transparency's sake, I did not eat an entire portion of it's, the I appreciate childhood waffles. I respect the transparency. I do. <laughs> you know what? You're talking about uh, Waffle House or no Waffle House? IHOP is what I, I mentioned. You know, I always gonna be concerned anytime you're eating at a restaurant and you ask the server what the ingredients are, and they look at you like you're crazy for asking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like like you're an idiot for asking them. Well, of course, these, they don't know. These super corporate restaurants, it's like I mean, I can go get the label on the package and read it to you, and it's right. got words that neither one of us are going to. Or find the person understand. here who can read. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Chances are they're illegal, <laughs> which is weird, right? They don't want to come out of the kitchen and talk to some guy <laughs> that's um, asking questions. The only person who doesn't read English is not his first language. It's crazy. <laughs> that was I, in my last few like actual like serving serving jobs. That's when I realized how crazy everybody had gotten with the the food allergies. Right. And the, I mean, I, I've been in food my whole life, and it's like the like I remember like working with kids in like the late '90s mm-hmm. serving food, and it would be literally one out of a hundred kids would have a. Very legitimate, like medical, like, like peanut allergy. This kid cannot have peanuts, or this kid cannot have, you know, wheat or whatever, gluten. Right. Yeah. I know we even called it gluten back then. No. Right. Do you want to watch a child die in front of you? Yeah. This is the situation and, that you were but, dealing and, with. And it was like, it was like written on their chart. Like it was very, you know, it was yeah. just like, okay. So I was like, you know, out of every 300 kids, there's two or three that have a very specific allergy. Yeah. And now it's like when you go out dining, it's like out of every table, there's one person that's just like, I can't have... Let me tell you something, dude. So we got these things. I've got two kids, four and six, and they're in that t- time frame where they ask the parents to bring in snacks and stuff like that. And if you literally, anything with like peanuts or peanut butter, and like think about all the snacks that our kids would yeah, like. Everything. You might as well yeah. be the Unabomber. I'm a 43-year-old <laughs> right. guy, right? I'm like, oh, okay, peanut butter and crackers. Who right. right? What else are you going to have for me? Mm-hmm. And like obviously the present company excluded. You guys would whip up something awesome. But like you honestly look like you were a terrorist. Like you want to hurt children. <laughs> you don't care about your own kids because you didn't look into it. And so it's just like, okay, well. And, and I guess the reason for it is is because um, – they didn't build up a tolerance because the kids, they were, uh, people were so healthy about excluding different things from their diet early on yeah. that if they were given more of that early on, then perhaps they would have built up some bit of tolerance. And yeah. then uh, that yeah. is, I don't know, obviously, that's a very, is this isn't a medical diagnosis. There's, been, there's been lots of science out that like exposing kids very young to, I mean, like trash and just peanuts and all the, bull- and then, but then now they're like, oh yeah, that's great. But then now there's like timeline. And it's like, well, they can't have X until they're right. X months old, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't have children, and I don't have a lot of intention of having them, so commenting on it is a little weird, I guess. But, like, I remember there's a coffee shop right around the corner from where we're sitting right now, and one time I was ordering, and there was a child behind the bar. They had six kids. And he was digging in the trash, and she's like, no, it's fine. That kid will likely grow up healthier. Absolutely, yeah. Like he's going to build natural immunities that most children don't have. And parents, parents helicopter so much. And right. again, as a parent, you can comment on my my statements. No, it's you're such right. A thing nowadays, even people who are casual are so imbued with helicopter parents' right. attitudes and like vibes that you probably pay more attention than you would have initially oh, if it was the '80s, like. It's just because, well, anytime you have to worry about all the different allergies and the communal way. So it used to be, and again, I know this isn't a kids, kids, kids podcast, but obviously back in the day, the beat, the beat on the old, uh, 
you know, the old thing is back in the day, parents just kicked you out of the house, right? And so now, and to go play outside when the streetlights come on, come home. So now everything is very regimented. So you have play dates and yeah, things like yeah. that. So that's for me, the idea of sending somebody in with peanut butter is actually a big problem because now all of a sudden you're basically excluding your kids from any social life because the parents <laughs> are like, oh, that asshole will give out <laughs> peanut butter and of all things, like I'm passing plutonium around. So it's, it, it does have the much more the social aspect. It's more about the social aspect of it um, really and the impact it would have because uh, you know everything comes into like if the parent is judged this way there's very there's zero chance that child is your child is going to have any interaction with other kids trickle down judgment it is it based is based on the parents yeah. interactions yeah it's like I'm still in school right and I was like god I wasn't popular when I was in <laughs> school and now I'm not going to be popular as a parent I see a trend maybe it's me I think we're going to call the name of this uh, the title of this episode peanut butter dad terrorist <laughs> Uh, to bring it back around to the allergies thing that Dyke was bringing up, like I cook professionally for, I think I did the math, and it's like 16 and change years. Now I'm only 32, but like that's just how cooking and hospitality works in general. Yeah. Start super young, then you get burnt out by the time you're 30, have, have a moment, maybe a divorce or two. Yeah. Um, luckily, I've never been married. But I lived the transition. So when I was younger and cooking, that, the, like he was saying, there's no allergies, and specifically only children and maybe once in a like every month because I wasn't serving just kids. Yeah. Um, and then when I started working like kind of in a professional way in my early 20s is like gluten and everyone made jokes about it. It right. was like not a thing. Yeah, it's a funny and, thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, they're allergic to gluten? <laughs> Whatever, that's bullshit. Right. It's not real. And then like transitioning to like you kind of got to get over your prejudices about the right. like your assumptions of it even though you have no problem with it. Like right. it's a real thing and like regardless of the people who game the system because they heard read some Karen's health blog bullshit right. like you end up realizing there's a lot of them I actually dated two women that had celiac disease and that's like a real thing and like they what is celiac celiac is essentially the allergy to gluten it's not like I have gluten intolerance where my stomach gets upset it's like I break out in hives yeah, my, my throat will yeah yeah out. like it's it's like any other real allergy like peanuts or whatever because gluten intolerance is like a difficulty with digestion and can cause serious problems. Don't get me wrong, but celiac is I got flour on me and I'm high of hives. Okay, that's cool. Um, and so I dated two women like that, and it really opened my eyes to the fact that while this is kind of fun to talk about and joke about, like it's not not a real thing. And we've created a situation with monoculture and what we grow that like. Our bodies are intolerant to things because we just eat the same thing for generations yeah. in a row. It's weird. And, and the way that we look at it, like you said, changes so quickly. My kids will probably look back on some of this very conversation and describe us all as digestive supremacists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will not – I wouldn't be surprised – I wouldn't be surprised in 100 years if the majority of people were plant-based – I think there will always be a market for meat, but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually it became a thing where it was like meat was for rich people. Like it kind of went full circle back. But it was like either either for rich people or for like oh yeah we have like hogs in the backyard. Right, right. We cook them, but like almost where it got like looked down upon. Yeah, you know. And then it's, it just looks back and like, can you believe the people used to just like drink cow's milk and yeah. eat meat? Like it sounds weird to me now because I've been on both sides. I used to be a vegetarian for like sixteen years, right. and then I went like full tilt like the other way. Right, carnivore. Cut up animals for a living. Yeah, <laughs> um, you work for a barbecue place, so that's kind of like the opposite now. I just I w- I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if if eventually it got. Phase out. I feel like if they could find better alternatives right. that like actually taste good and are, are well, the Impossible Burger cheap. is a great example of that. Yeah. Like they're going into fast food restaurants, and what's the big issue with fast food restaurants is it's cheap and it's calorie dense, and that's, that's why everyone's overweight because like I'm not full, but I had 1,700 calories just now. Yeah. I had a days with the calories in lunch. Yeah. And I'm kind of dealing with that now because yeah. I'm a fast food freak. Like, that's what I eat. I, even though I know how to cook really, really well, it's just easy and cheap. And when you cook professionally, you don't cook for yourself. Yeah. And I've never gotten out of that, even though I don't cook professionally for myself anymore. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think there's a move towards like, and people will say the Impossible Burger is unhealthy, but that's the fucking point. Well, I mean, like, there's it's no burger. To be unhealthy. It's a burger. Bar- is it Burger King? Like, what exactly is there on the menu that you're like, oh, well, do you should get the healthy thing? Yeah, right? <laughs> and it's like unmeatless, yeah. not healthy. It's a fast food restaurant, yeah, regardless. Exactly. And I think there's been a lot of weird conversation about that. And like, no, it's to make people understand that they don't have to eat meat to be satisfied. Yeah. And I think that 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 conversation that is very much in the ethos of like our population extrapolate that to Dyke's point like we're going to get to that point where it's like meat is a little more taboo I mean Asian cultures meat is a side like you get a small portion of protein animal protein and in vegetables and they've been doing that for thousands of years right and just how their meals are are situated but it's also I think the production so the production and the production is going to be affected so the production used to be that you know that we are an agrarian country and so like the idea of there being cows and then plethora of of cattle and and hogs and all those things was more common so now as it becomes and, and, and as far as raising animals and then butchering and all the rest of it becomes much more regulated and, and, and even more cost, you know, and, and more costly, that it just becomes a lot easier. It's just like uh, with everything else with digital, it's so easy to replicate uh, color or something else. Like I'm sure it's becoming easier and easier to replicate a flavor uh, with a seasoning or, or something else like that. So it's unnecessary to go through this huge life cycle yeah. of, of raising this animal and then slaughtering this animal and then having to eat it within a certain amount of time or freeze it and all the rest of it. Uh, it just becomes more cost cost effective to go and, and use a soy-based or something else that can literally be sitting on the shelf for years and then you just throw this vial or whatever and now this is what it tastes like. Or I also think, and I don't know why, how, I mean, why I got on this weird meat kick, except for the fact that we were talking about people looking back in the future and judging us. <laughs> yes. Um, but I also think that, I think, I think also there will be a technology in the next 20 to 50 years too where we will be able to actually grow meat uh, from an animal that was never well, technic- they're, they're, technically alive. Right. Well, and they're starting that process with like, blood samples. Yeah. They can take that and create a protein. Like, like here, a here, here's a cloned yeah. steak. Like, here's a, you know, a grown. No, that's how they shop. make our politicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know that. It makes so much <laughs> It makes sense. It all makes sense. It makes so much it's sense. sense. Now. Get it. Now CNN does all make sense. Um, you know, I think it is. It's that production thing. And so, now the thing about it, what's really keeping, I think, the uh, meat alive right now is the food culture and people wanting things that are natural and, and, and farm to table and all the different varieties and things like that. That, that really is, uh, you know, people are having food as more of an experience. And it's not an American thing to have food or drink as an experience. It's kind of like, okay, like we're, our big joke is we just shovel it in our mouth and then we go back and do our thing. And as it becomes more of an experience, obviously we start to value the variety. But from the, in my opinion, from the idea of being that kind of like consume, consume, go culture, it makes a lot more sense just to basically have the whole press A and the rule pops in and this tastes <laughs> like whatever and then I slop it down and I get back right. out to doing whatever the hell. I mean like, but that, luckily we have a, a slowdown and the same thing with wine and spirits. You know, it was the idea like wine of all things is not caught on. Uh, I mean, wine in other countries, South America and Europe and whatnot, it's basically on there with milk and eggs and bread. Yeah. You have wine. Yeah. Children drink it. Yeah, like, yeah it's wine. here, we couldn't think of that. As no. they should. Um, and to, to comment more fully um, on what you were kind of piggyback on what you were saying, uh, there's a famous chef named Dan Barber. Is that right, Dyke? Dan Barber? Or is it Dan Brown? Dan Brown. In any case... Um, he has a commentary about, like, America doesn't have a food culture because we're the land of milk and honey. Right. We're the land of plenty. Exactly. You want something? Grow it. Boom. You want something? Raise it. The right. food is there. The water's there. The, the, the weather is perfect for all, all comers. Right. And so while our food culture is vast, yes. that's a problem. Greek people have, like, greens and this and that because during impoverished times they ate the weeds in their backyard. And, like, French people have, like, oh, well, we developed pretty much every cooking technique that exists via the Italians and et cetera, et cetera. And Asian culture has their thing, but like we just had everything. Everything. Um, And so you run into this thing. It's like, we are gluttons by design almost like, because the country is so willing to give us what we want. Right. Why not? Animal husbandry is one of the largest consumers of water in the world. Yeah. And I mean, I think that we've kind of ignored that aspect of the conversation, but that will be a huge part of the conversation in the long run. Yeah. I mean, California is going through this right now. We've tapped 
deeper into our natural stores of water than we ever have before because California is technically a desert and we've lived, we populated it in the best hundred years of the last 300 years. Yeah. Um, and we're going to run into that. I think conservation is going to be the real kicking point to the actual change. Regardless of the conversations we're already having, none of us three would have this conversation regardless of it being part of the social ethos. Right. But that on top of like, we just can't afford to spend the money to make the cows enough water. Yeah. Et cetera. That's what I said. When it comes to it stops being cost effective, that's normally what takes it. Well, we're right there. We're on the edge. Right. And so, like I said, we all, you come from a ground, you basically, if you lived in the United States at least for the last two, you know, 20 years, you basically were working on a farm or working in a factory. And one of those factories likely was a meat processing plant. Absolutely. So, like you said, you had access to the meat and all the rest of it. And so it was much more a means to an end, uh, just like, you know, and not so much that experience that you have in those other countries where they, they do take the time to savor in a little bit. But we have started to um, adopt that. And appropriate that kind of like let's chill out and enjoy it and as that happens obviously i think the meat meets here to stay for that but as times develop you know and as it becomes less and less cost effective to uh to produce the meat um i think you're, you're going to see it move in that direction less because of a morality and an ethic and more because of practicality well i think that's the conversation to have like you get the people that are super morally focused on these things and i go that's not you don't change hearts and minds that way can i just bring the fact that we're like all pretty Funny comics too, and this has been like the most intense. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, is this supposed to be? Fun? I was, I was waiting for a good moment for a subject change, but like, we really just took this to a very political place. This was, this was, um, uh, I take blame for this. Uh, uh, Mike I, Michaels, everybody, and good night. Just remember, um, I said digestive supremacy. That was hilarious. <laughs> That's the best part. Done. We're so, going to cut back to digestive supremacy and just ignore the intensity that we've all brought to the table. So the, the, the kind of the two worlds of the camp of the podcast that I walk in uh, is coming from a food background where like I can follow and enjoy that conversation. But like I also kind of wanted to make a fart joke the whole time, you know, like, like, something about cow farts. And that's kind of the thing with this podcast, too, is like I definitely don't want it to be like too like stuffy and food heavy <laughs> that like you can't have fun right. but also it's not just like a traditional comedy podcast uh, it's, it's 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 both so you're fine you're it's right. dangerous it's to eat and laugh yeah and, uh, I joked when I was kid. it was on a hot dog a process, it wasn't exactly a foodie situation but the bottom line is, is I think that eating and laughing eating is, laughing should happen after the food is consumed not I, while well, and I mean this speaks volumes to our like timeline issues today because again <laughs> we usually finish the food as the podcast is beginning yeah, yeah. Um, and so we can comment on it, but we're not like we're not focusing on it. That being said, I'm the one of the co-hosts, and whenever it's him and I together, Dyke and I, food seems to be our general common ground. Food and bartending. Right. You want to talk about booze? We got all day. Yeah, we got you talk about food? We got all day. Yeah. Um, Elliot's not a comic, but he's also very well versed in like the comedy world. Yeah, like, I've seen you before. I think we've met actually outside of Crackers one time. There's a very good chance. Like yeah. I, I, I've run in those circles and yeah. again Dyke is probably sure. also a bald guy with a beard. Which right, a lot of, yeah, yeah. Bald ginger beard. Like <laughs> let's let's talk about that. There's not a lot of gingers but there's a lot of men with red beards. <laughs> Let me just say this and not that I think it's at all weird. Um, but there are a lot of gingers in comedy which is great. Is there a lot, is or it, is there is more than one? And, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, is it great? <laughs> Let's all talk with a really high voice. Put the brakes on all these kids. another one. <laughs> There's at least two, and one we won't talk about. Um, I'm afraid that I'm going to look like him when I grow up. Really? Um, I mean... Just expand me, widen me by three inches, and give me a shittier facial hair. We're there. Like, I just get tired and I don't shave my head one day. Like, lose CK all day. Like, I don't know why I don't just go that. I'll let my girl hair grow out and go that is Halloween. So we're all black. Right. We're done. Fucking shaving into a goatee. There, there, um, there is a local comic who... Uh, I, I won't mention his name in case he doesn't want to be put on blast. But it's great, great local local comic who looks very much like a young Louis C.K., which I feel like five years ago was awesome to yeah. be like, hey, I look like one of the most famous comedians in the world. Yeah. I do comedy as well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, 
overnight it went from like one of the best things yeah. to like, oh, this is a shitty look. Right, right, right. right. Like, I'm going to get rid of the facial hair entirely. I'm going to bulk up. Because Lucy K, good lord, I've seen videos. He was a rail of a human being for decades. But he was, he was so skinny. He, he was yeah. also, like, he was never, like, in shape. Like, he was, like, always a schlub. He yeah, was, like, he a skinny schlub to, yeah. like, overweight schlub. But yeah. it was never, like... He was like jacked. And and like, I, right. <laughs> no offense to me, is really no, no. is your fucking go to. <laughs> it's like, of all the different things this guy could do, he could change his hair, he could change his look. But I would suggest if the guy wanted to really avoid it, he just changed masturbating in front of women without. <laughs> you know, that would be know, the best like, way. Like, <laughs> like, it seems a little too obvious. Like, right? that would be the one. Like, I'll just shave my beard. Okay, but like, if you do this or do that, I'm shaving. <laughs> I just, I don't, like, if you're a new, like, a young comic, I don't think anybody wants to, like, look like, oh, you look like. A young Cosby, you right. know, like that's, yeah. that's not the look anyone yeah. wants to have anymore. Unfortunately, All right, well, so I'm like on this podcast. Dyke and I are close friends, and I'm close friends with several comedian friends of his, and very close friends with several of them. I can't become, I can't be a comedian. Look at me. I look like the creepiest comedian that's ever lived. Like, why would I ever get on stage and be like, hey, so, like, let's get this out of the way. I'm Louis C.K. as a young man. But I'm going to keep my dick in my pants for the entirety of this set. I promise. Don't walk out of the room. No, man. I tell you, the, um, I tell you that that's the thing. I, I think that guy could actually, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that he could probably sell out just about anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, it's still to this day and, uh, you know, especially if he opened up with him, just, you know, imagine the lights came up and he's just in the corner jacking it. <laughs> that would just be like history being made right in front of you. You're like, we've all, this is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> I mean, even if he was jacking a big fake purple dick, it like, just be like, and then it's standing I mean, ovation. Like, <laughs> the biggest issue he's run into is getting heckled for even trying to come out of the shadows. Yeah. Like he was yeah. gone for a year. He came back, he's doing some small shit, and yeah. I, there's people in the crowd that are being like, you don't deserve this. Right. And this is kind of, we've, we've really transitioned into some deeper shit, but like, eventually you have to let someone be a person and like, oh, yeah. make a living. You can't be like, I fucked up. Well, you should just kill yourself. Right. Because nothing ever is going to be good again for you. Well, yeah. Um, and then that's where I kind of draw the line is like, again... We're taking time. We're 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 apologizing. We're commenting. We're 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 doing good works, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I'm just gonna try and move on. And this is how I make a living. I mean, he did it for what twenty plus years. That's all he did to make money. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. He's a, he's, this is what I can't go work at a grocery store. His like, hand was in so many things. Like, do you know he was a he was a director of Pootie Tang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's all up and he's in everything. So, and then, but like, I think that also what I, I think it is is the end. If anything, I don't think that there needs to be any sort of punishment at all, as long as it's not illegal. The bottom line is, is, is just we just have to have to stop uh, uh, deifying people who are in the media, like as being perfect, like as opposed to like just saying, okay, guess what? This isn't the most likable, most lovable, friendliest guy. Right. He's a douchebag, and you know what? There's a lot of there. Let's be honest. There's a, there the, we're outnumbered in this world by the douchebags. It's their world. 100%. We're living in it. And if they like their douchebag, then then go like him. But let's not pretend that he's anything but that. Absolutely. And, and so like that's the thing is that you know you don't need to have Cosby be the voice of Jello. Um, <laughs> actually, he does need to be in prison. I, 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 bad, bad example. Exactly. Bad, bad example. But yeah, I just think the guys who are assholes, you can just let them be an ass. Because this is the asshole's world, so we should stop pretending that it's not. Well, and, then, and that's the comment on like, you guys like want to fucking put a comedian on a cross and be yeah. that. He's a piece of shit. He did shit he shouldn't have done. He, he outright said that. Yeah. But like, the politicians in our world are... Yeah. Killing humans. Killing. It's like they Every literally day. are the masters of genocide. I mean, beyond the like obvious Cheeto version, yeah, like everybody. we're going back to people that all three of us at this table probably very much like have made decisions that have of caused course. countless deaths. Or not made decisions. Or, or not or ignored it. Ignored someone it. Someone in that chair, regardless yeah. of whether we agree yeah. with them or disagree with them, has had to made decisions or ignored decisions that have caused Multiple human deaths, yeah. and we're worried about someone jerking it. Well, I yeah. think the real question is: Would Louis C.K. benefit from a plat 
plant-based diet. Uh, you know what? I do. That that's the genius. He comes back out. He goes like this. He goes, I ate meat for I ate meat for twenty years. Yeah. And oh boy, just read my Wikipedia. I'm vegan. I'm vegan, guys. But now I'm vegan, and look, I'm keeping it in my bag. Right, right. right. This doesn't work anymore, so it's perfect. Brad, we're gonna we're gonna boomerang back to okay. talking about you. Don't one of that. your favorite subjects. Great transition. <laughs> Great. Now let's talk about Brad Rickler. <laughs> I mean, Brad Rickler, Louis C.K. That's all I think whenever C. I'm talking. Cosby, C.K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking, yeah, speaking of sexual deviance, Brad Rickler. Um, no, but we, 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 talk, we talked about the, uh, the roasting. Yes. Um, but um, you're, also, you're also a comic in your own right. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I, I, what, do you, what do you do for a living? I have no idea. What's your... Uh, I'm a real... So I do real estate. I've always done real estate. I was actually in uh, the renewable energy. I sold solar panels um, throughout uh, Ohio and then the, mid, the mid, uh, mid-Atlantic for years and years and years. And then when I moved out um, here, I, I was doing mostly... I do mostly real estate investment and, and things like that. Um, but I've always been into... The, I started out back when I was a theater kid. I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York. Okay. Um, I was out in L.A. for a bit as a, you know an actor. Didn't do anything. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> depressing to bring up. Thank you. And uh, you know, then I was in uh, I was in journalism for the longest time. Did a lot of radio stuff for that. Um, got into boxing um, as a journalist and boxing writer, and, and did a lot of stuff with that. So I've always and then politics for a bit. Um, you know, just to cause some trouble there. And so I've always been up in front of people. Are you Forrest Gump? <laughs> Yeah. You know, the only thought that has come across my mind is the tracksuit makes sense and doesn't make sense. It's <laughs> two seconds that he's talking. Yeah. It's a revolving door. Yeah, and, like, and then I saw this will land. But then, then I saw, I'm like, wait, I was the there for the moon happening? landing. I saw Kennedy get <laughs> assassinated. <laughs> Interesting. Like I was holding a rifle and I woke up in Texas. Like, <laughs> but the thing about it was, is like all these things you do up in front of people. But I was always terrified of stand-up comedy. Like all these things that I could do. Like I don't know athletic sense, but I was in, I was, ta- I felt completely fine talking shit like I was a boxing expert, right? And so I felt like I have no business being in education, but I became president of a school board. Uh, I did all these things, but I had no, but I probably, with all my background, yeah. I thought it made sense to be in comedy, terrified. Had no business, in my opinion, trying because it was so terrifying. And finally, though, you know, you get, you, I got to town, and literally, this is a true story, we're going down to, what is it called Wild Eggs? Is that a real yeah. place? There's a place down in Mass Ave called Wild Eggs. Yeah. Right. And so I was walking up, and I actually was walking down to there, and I saw a big sign when I first got to town. It said Crackers. And I said, that's where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> that is where you'd find a guy like me. And I said And then you noticed it said Comedy Club. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, anyway, one way or the other, I need to be a part of that. And so I was like, I'm going to go there. And so last Thanksgiving, uh, right, but a week before last Thanksgiving, I went up to... Um, to try the open mic there, and I just, I, you know, just been into it ever since. And, but I really have kind of approached it more. I do get a kick out of a host of crackers, and I love doing stand up sets, and I, I do, I have a lot to grow there, but I really enjoy um, the show running too. I love, the, I'm a promoter at heart, I'm a producer at heart, I love bringing people together, and um, I can, I have an eye for horse, that you know, comedic horse flesh and, and uh, performer horse flesh, and so I was like, okay, I'll go, and I like putting people up in lineups, and all of these different things, and promoting, and, and coming up with different ideas, and allowing uh, an ensemble of performers the ability and the space to do their thing, and, um, you know, allow them to shine, so... I would say that my favorite thing in, in comedy right now is bringing those together, booking and creating um, venues and, and opportunities for you know a host of performers to do their thing. And being a part of that uh, has been really exciting for me. And I, I think that's probably the most, most fun I've had. What's been the what's been the hardest thing about about uh, running some of these promotions? Like uh, you, you talked about the the Rose Championship, yeah. um, but you you also just run like uh, like a show. I was on the showcase yeah. of yours. Yeah, great show. job on our show. Yeah, we do a monthly show in Zionsville, Comedy Night Zionsville, the second Wednesday of every month. Um, it's up at the, it's up at a place called uh, Carolina Grill in Zionsville, and it's, it's a free show. And I usually book like six 
comics on it, um, and I host, but I basically am just up there giving straight hosts, not really doing a set, and I bring up these comics, and, and they're all people who work in comedy, uh, usually headlined by a legitimate uh, working comic headliner, but it has, you know, it's usually six deep of really talented comics who have about ten minutes. Um, and again, it's a 90 minute show. Um, and then I'll usually bring in one or two people who are just really talented, uh, just about to break through micers to do a five minute guest. And then that's about it. And so, uh, but like I, like I said, that's, that's, it's work because promoting, getting asses in seats yeah. is just vicious. Yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, you go a great show the, uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, yourself, and so uh, you've run a pretty big show there, and it's in the city, and I guess it draws on you know it draws on a crowd that's used to going out, right? And they, mm-hmm. but you've had to put on a great show, yeah. you had to do it right for them to continue to come. Um, but they, you know, but as I move into more of the suburb, suburbs, Zionsville of all places, you got to be able to put on a show that draws out people um, who may, like I said, could be prone to just sitting on their ass and like you know uh, you know watching television and clicking through it. And getting them out there and, and making sure I'm beating the hell out of it and then worrying sick about interacting with the venue. Mm-hmm. Interacting, do I have the people? Then you have the hurting the cats of the comics yeah. uh, and making sure they're going to be there on time. And then promoting and promoting. And it's that, it, it is that kind of uh, orchestration that's really cool. All these different things that you have to interact with mm-hmm. in order to make the soup, to make the dish, right? To have all the ingredients and they're all seem to be almost entirely working against coming together yeah <laughs> it's like magnets they're just like pushing away from each other and uh but when it does come together it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful like i said i was worried this last show so we usually had a pretty good i've had a consistent i've had a consistently packed house for the comedy at Zionsville. this last show we had a fantastic audience it wasn't as packed as i usually as i usually can get it i blame the weather in december but the bottom line is the people who were there were core fans and they were all having a great time. Mm-hmm. They were they all they were all nobody was there nobody got their ear twisted to come. Yeah. Everybody who was there wanted to come, wanted to laugh, wanted to enjoy and would appreciate it. And that's the best. Yeah. And I had a fantastic lineup of comics. Like they all were each of you guys had your own styles and personalities. There wasn't any oh this is just another copy of a copy of a copy. I mean let's be honest Kyle Bucket and and Ray Hensley do look a lot of like <laughs> pictures but like other than that they they all have their own style and so it was like everybody got that and that's what I really wanted I wanted that Entenmann's box of chocolates where hey listen to all these different that's what I want I want different styles of comics so that people and give them 10 minutes so they're not giving away their their whole show for free and so people can go out and see these different styles and the comics can get paid and they don't have to give away their act for free but they can kind of give people a taste a sample Mm -hmm. and people can say okay great I like this just like a flight of wines I like this I don't like this and the more you become a connoisseur and a consumer of comedy the more you can even appreciate what you don't appreciate you're like okay I don't like this about that and and it all becomes the same thing and so that was the idea Um, and that's difficult too because I'm friends with comics I don't know anybody in Indy except comics right and parents and you know and, and they all hate you because uh, of the peanut butter. Yeah, and, and you've met me, so it's not, <laughs> not hard to understand. And so, but the bottom line is, so I have people on there, and it's like, okay, a lot of people are like, well, you put me on your show, you put me on your show. It's like, well, I I haven't booked that show yes, but yeah, I have somebody who looks just like you or sounds just like you, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to be bang, 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 bang. Sure. Everybody has to look and have their own sound and, yeah. and style. Right. We don't and, need another white guy's opinion. Got it, it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. It's just like... You know, and then you get up there and you do yeah, it. And, and so, yeah, it's Indiana. I mean, so it's just like Italian. Does that count? Um, <laughs> you know? But, yeah, there is, it is interesting. And so, like, there's all those things. And then there's also times where you have people you're very good friends with. But up in that Zionsville crowd, they're coming out. They're like, and, and they're doing you a favor. Yeah. Coming to a free show, right? They're doing you a favor. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So bottom line is, I have to make sure that people can go up on point. You opened up this room. Like I said, I don't do much hosting. Uh, when I go up there, I do host, but I don't do a set. But it, it's Comedy Night Zionsville. And so like, you came up to a cold audience and you cracked them. You were warm. They were warm with, after two, 20 seconds. So you got them. And like, that's what you need. You're like, okay, well, I kind of need people who can crack a, 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 you know, a room that might not 
not be necessarily the warmest unless you can really crack. And so I can't bring just, if you're not ready, it's not a place for you to get ready Sure, for. yeah. You're trying to put on the best show possible. Exactly. Right. And that can be hard. You know as well as I do. That's why I always tell people, and, and I say, I don't really do a set on my own show. That's my excuse to my friends out there that are like, book me, book me. And I'm like, I don't even do a show yeah. set. So please don't take it as personal. Like, I think I'm better than you. Yeah. I don't, I think that we are the same. You might be better than me. I don't do a set. Yeah. We're so trying to crack the hardest crowd in yes. the central Indiana market. Yeah. And to keep right. it alive for when you are ready, it's still going because I didn't put up somebody who wasn't ready. And so, you know, that's the bottom line. And so it, that's difficult. Uh, the promoting is difficult. And, and it, but like I said, when it all comes together, it's just beautiful. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. One more time, please plug this Friday coming up here. Friday, the 20th, 8 o'clock, Roast War Championship 6. We got two teams. We got we got fantastic. Listen to this line. Just think about this for a second, okay? We got we, – you know what I'm talking about. I got Austin Fry, okay, versus Patrick Murray. These two are friends, and they're going to – they're gonna com- they're they're gonna rip into each other like absolute <laughs> nutcakes, right? I got the ladies. I got Sandra Edgel. She's the queen of mean. She's going to be against a lady named Sarah Huntington. These these ladies are going to be have the claws out. I got Kyle Buck versus the Plug God, Calvin Turner. I got all kinds of people happening on this thing. It is going to be absolutely one of the most epic nights ever. Um, uh, you know, Zach Garner is stepping in against David Brooks. All right. So I'm gonna tell you, this is what you're gonna, you're gonna see for free steel cage national anthem green girls you never see anything like that for free friday night eight o'clock at Vern's. you're not doing anything i don't need to see you i know you're not doing shit so get down there thank you doc i really appreciate it yeah absolutely thank you for coming on and yeah absolutely guys just one more co-sign you guys can uh you can record everybody loves raymond all right come out to Vern's place friday night elliot do you have anything you'd like to plug Vern's place got a facelift. It's got a new paint job. It's maybe unrecognizable on the outside. I live about half a block from there. Like I'll probably be there if I'm not bartending. Right. Guys, right. you can throw your uh, your empty beer cans in Elliot's backyard. He right, doesn't right, care. Right. It's an apartment complex, so you do that. Go for it. I have to clean it up. If you want to do a Louis C.K. lookalike competition, I'll be there. I might shave it into a goatee. We'll see. All right, guys. Uh, we'll we'll see you next time. But please do us a favor and follow us on Instagram at Harder Brunch, um, and like, subscribe, give us a nice review on Spotify, Google Podcasts. However you're listening to this, we'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one. Thank you.